0: Red Podcast. It's
1: Red Podcast, the marketing podcast for experts. David Hooper here and with me, Jeff Sanders. He's from a podcast called 5 a.m. Miracle. I'm bringing Jeff on because like me, he is in Nashville. Here's what has happened. We have a right wing radio host. His name is Phil Valentine. He was anti-vax. That's the best way to say it. There's a little bit of revisionism Say, no, Phil was never anti-vax. Well, he was. We've got some tweets and, and we can bring him out here if we need to. He actually got COVID. He's in the intensive care unit of a hospital outside of Nashville. That's why I mentioned that Jeff and I are here in Nashville, because there is a difference between in a city and outside of the city. But he broadcasts out of Nashville. He's known for being from Nashville. And this is something that we are facing right now as independent broadcasters, creators, in that people are looking to us for correct information about things like vaccines, about things like COVID. A lot of people are distrustful of the mass media and they're getting their information from things like Twitter. So I wanted to bring Jeff in and talk about what we are doing, not in just this situation, But in other situations, to make sure that the information that we are giving to people is accurate, that the guests we bring on are credible and have accurate information themselves. Because I think this is a situation that you can get into. You can imagine it's awfully embarrassing for a right-wing radio host who's anti-vaccine, anti-COVID, oh, it's not going to affect me, to come down with it. And he very well might die. That is how serious this is. He has to have four units or less of oxygen to get out He's on 40 units of oxygen right now. So he's a long way from being where they're going to release him. And hopefully, eventually, he will get released. So, Jeff, let's talk about this. You interview people a lot, almost on every episode. Let's start there. What is your process for vetting the guests that you have? It's a process. I
0: mean, I've interviewed, I just uh, finished 256. So I've done a few of these things in the last eight years. And I think the process of vetting for me has improved in a lot of ways, primarily the method is I make sure the person is a real person. Most of them are authors, they have websites, they have a brand, they have something online that I can research and discover more about them. And so for the most part, it's fairly straightforward. Most people don't require a lot of background research, a lot of vetting to really validate that they offer value. I also interview people that I know personally or those that I've followed for years, so If I can lean that direction, it's very easy. In terms of horror stories, I don't have too many of those. There was one guest that I was going to bring on as a marriage expert on my show. I didn't discuss marriage all that often, but I thought he had an interesting take on it. And then found out later his view on marriage did not jive with mine. To be more direct about it, he was anti-gay marriage. I am pro-gay marriage. And so when we got the weeds worked out for the interview, I realized this guy is not a good fit for my show. I canceled it before it even started. Luckily, I caught it beforehand because it would have been removed later. My process, generally speaking, is one where I do want a values match, but I also want to make sure that I have people who bring on a new perspective. So it's kind of that balance there.
1: Let's talk about that balance of values match because you're vegan, I'm vegetarian. You and I have had this conversation privately and maybe the people we let advertise with us, for example, we would not advertise McDonald's Correct. So there are some values there, but at the same time, I like to have a discourse with people. And I'm always trying to strike that balance of (laughs) when am I promoting a crazy agenda? And when am I having that discourse? I'd love to know your thoughts on that. My show, generally speaking,
0: is not controversial. So the content that I discuss, I mean, related to productivity, healthy habits, personal development, it's all fairly lighthearted. It's designed to be helpful. I'm not really trying to push any buttons. I don't dig too deep in terms of most issues, mostly because what I'm going for on my show is direct, actionable, helpful, nice advice. Sometimes it can go beyond that, but generally I don't. So if my goal is to avoid controversy, it's kind of already laid out for me because of the way the show has been designed for years. To that degree, it's hard for me to get into a place where I'm going to have to butt heads with a guest too often. But someone could bring up something in the interview, and they do this uh, on occasion, where they will say something, an opinion, or a news story that's really kind of hot at the moment, and I will cut those segments out of the show just because I don't think it adds to the show or adds to my message or really you know serves what I'm trying to do. So most of the time, what I'm doing then is just removing certain segments if that's what's going to give the overall interview that
1: I want. You mentioned health, and one of the things regarding productivity and health that comes up a lot is sleep. I've got my own view about sleep. You've got your view. These guests have their views. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on. It's not really something that's controversial, but it could affect somebody and their health. And you certainly have those guys that come in, and they're like, work, 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 only sleep four hours a night. It's the minimum. <laughs> Where do we draw the line on this? That's really the discussion, right? It's not always something as serious as COVID-19, or some of these issues that we're facing now that really are life or death. But at the same time, if you've got these guys that are working themselves to death, it may be in the future. That's true.
0: I've had those kinds of guests on the show before. And what I tend to do is in the interview, I will like not call them out, but I will ask them you know, more about that perspective. And I will offer an alternative. I actually think is probably more the right one um, from my own perspective. And we can have that conversation. That has come out a few times but the way that my shows tend to wrap up is that I will provide some commentary and some action steps at the end and, I've never really had to clarify, like, "Hey, what the guest just said, ignore that." Like, I've never had to go that far. <laughs> yeah. But it feels like that's what I'm doing—the way that I present, kind of, my take on the topic. And so, I want to make sure that my audience knows my views very clearly, even if that means sometimes the guest has a different opinion. Um, and I, if somebody really had what I thought was like, you know, too out there, too radical, too contradictory, I, I would just remove it. But if it still fits in the context of a good, healthy conversation with a variety of perspectives. Then I leave it in because that's actually interesting content.
1: I've actually had a story regarding Phil Valentine himself that has nothing to do with COVID-19 or coronavirus, but at the same time, because that's his reputation, what I'm about to say didn't happen. And that's, I wanted to do a live event here in Nashville with Phil Valentine. He was a syndicated host at one time. He's got a very successful local show. So successful that the fact that he has coronavirus right now is making national news, CNN, people. I mean, it is everywhere. And because of that reputation that he has, even though we weren't going to be talking about anything controversial, all I wanted to do was talk about syndicated radio and how he did it. People were like, hell no. We want nothing to do with him. Do you have a thought on that where... You've got somebody with maybe a past and um, they're doing something completely unrelated to what they used to do. Talk about how you vet those kind of guests because I can see it both ways in that you do have somebody and they bring their entire selves and their reputation, but at the same time, you're not going in that specific area. So is that really an endorsement? What do you do about that?
0: Having interviewed hundreds of guests, there are plenty of, of guests on my show, maybe most of them, who have opinions and values and political perspectives that do not align to my own. And I'm not trying to make that a perfect match. Like I'm not trying to interview myself every week, which is what right. I'd have to end up doing. Right. And so I've had a guest in the past. I think you've discussed him before on your shows as well. Someone I had to actually go back and remove the interview after the fact because information came out. He hit the news with a really bad you know, news story. And it just was very obvious that I could not relate, you know, my brand to his anymore. There could not be that connection, so I had to cut yeah. the entire episode. And you no, know, that's only one time it's ever happened. It's very extreme. It's unlikely to happen again, but the way that I see that is that there are plenty of people who will be on my show who will have histories and backgrounds that I won't know about at the time, and I may never know about it. And so, generally speaking, it's okay and it works just fine, and I'm not trying to have perfect guests on the show. I really just want to have people who will bring, you know, their latest book is a good fit for my show. Awesome. Come on, let's talk about it. I don't need their whole life story to be, you know, roses and a perfect fit. It's really for me, just like, can you bring value to my audience now? And as long as you don't have some ridiculous
1: backstory that someone's going to find out about and make me look bad, it's generally fine. Yeah, let's talk about that guy. The situation is this he didn't kill anybody. And actually, I have interviewed people who went on to kill people. And we'll talk about that in a second because. <laughs> that one I'm thinking of in particular, I left up, but the guy you and I are talking about here was the reason that I removed it. He had abused some underage boys at a Christian, which is very important, a Christian camp. Some people had accusations, and there was some evidence that I felt was credible. I know you felt it was credible. You mentioned you took this episode down. yes, and I felt that what this guy was doing being a Christian author. He was in the Christian business as a manager for a very well known Christian speaker and author. He also had his own books. And I felt there was some revisionism and he was really using me to whitewash his image and portray this person he obviously, it turns out, was not. And that is the reason that I removed it. I would have removed it based on the crime anyway. But with the guy who went and killed somebody, for example, and I've certainly had a lot of people that have been arrested for drugs and that kind of thing, being in the music industry, because that's a lot of what I broadcast about. They're upfront about it. So I don't take that down because they are who they are. But I, I don't like being lied to. I know that once that information was out, when I saw that guy's interviews still out there, and I still see them out there from time to time, I lose respect for the hosts because I feel like they're in on the whitewashing of this guy. I totally agree. And I think that with a lot of people, there's a guy that
0: you and I had met a few months ago who the minute you met him is telling you, I was in prison recently and I got out. And he has this story that he was just telling everybody. And it's part of his history. It's part of his brand at this point. And I think that there are plenty of examples of people who they own their past. They talk about it. They share it. They have lessons they've learned from it. There's value there. There's real good content there and a great connection there. Yeah. As opposed to someone who's lying, covering things up, You know, having secrets and that plays into this really dangerous game of, yeah, is the host in on it? Is there some sort of a cover up? Like, I don't want to play that game. I'm not in podcasting to do that. I'm trying to find great people to talk to. That's it. And if someone isn't gonna qualify as being an awesome person for whatever reason, then it may not fit for what I'm trying to do.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, this guy had been in prison and that wasn't even part of his act. He was trying to change where he was or where he had been. And we were having a conversation. This was at a live event we were at. And he mentioned being in prison. I said, man, lean into that. Right. Lean into that because that's an important part of who you are. I think what we have with the Christian pedophile, for example, it's just the opposite of that. He's leaning into the cover up of that, trying to completely deny it, completely revise it. And that's one of the things that I think when I think of Phil Valentine, I mean, maybe these guys really believe this stuff, but it seems like they're chasing the money, just like Phil's situation, and that there are tweets that he has, and there are recordings of him, and now he's saying, no, I was never anti-vaxxer, I just said it was a choice, and it's like, "Eh, these tweets say otherwise. The last tweet, even after he had COVID, was making fun of people wearing masks, and he obviously thought that getting it was not very serious. So maybe he did believe it, but then it turned serious. So it's going to be interesting to see how he turns that around. I mean, that's that's my main thing is I just want somebody to be honest. And if you're in prison, say you're in prison. If you think COVID is a hoax, say it, but let's be able to have a real conversation without the propaganda and the revisionism. Funny thing about all of this is
0: that the internet exists. We can look this stuff up. It's not like you can just lie about your past. Like, I can right. Google you in two seconds right. and see that you're a liar. I'm not interested in any of that because it's so easy to refute someone's story. Anyway, you know, in the age of the Internet and digital everything, like, you have to be honest because if you're not, you're going to get caught. There's a beauty in podcasting and the transparency and vulnerability of it. If I'm bringing my whole self to my show, I want my guests to do the exact same thing. So if they're going to try to do anything other than be themselves – It's going to look bad on me and it's going to be so easy to just refute what they just said. And so in the name of just, you know, being yourself and and telling the truth, it's the right way to do things.
1: Yeah. You know, we have to, I think, give our audiences credit for being smart and being able to run it up the flagpole and see if it's a very honest thing or, or some kind of deception. It's interesting to me to take it back to this Phil thing is that the station is now saying, oh, you know he was not anti-vaxxer and he was not this and his family that's doing the same thing because he's unable to communicate. They're putting words in his mouth. It'll be interesting to see if he does pull through, if he's going to have a change of heart about it and how he handles it. I think that's the opportunity. And I think we all make mistakes. I've certainly said things definitely live. (laughs) You can't edit them out like, whoa, that's bad. And I've got uh, kind of a reputation for doing that. I make people pretty nervous when they give me a mic live because of some of the things that I've said, it's forced me to look at myself and it's forced me to think more about what I'm saying because you can't take things back. Like you said, people are seeing it and people are smart and people can look it up on the internet and we don't want to be perceived in the wrong way. But at the same time, I do think it's always a risk when you do Anything, you're going to make somebody mad one way or the other. Like Phil, for example, if he has a change of heart about this, he will lose a lot of hardcore listeners, but he's also going to save some lives, arguably, because a lot of the people who agree with him and see that change and see what he's been through will go get that vaccine and not have to go through what he has. He has a chance to
0: rebrand himself if he chooses to. Or choose to double down on his previous statements. I and mean, it's just that question of who do you want to be going forward? We all get the chance to rebrand ourselves all the time. And especially when you have an audience to speak to, like you have the chance to retell your story in a new way, acknowledging that you have made a shift. And with him, it's pretty obvious why it would have happened if he goes that direction. So I think, yeah, we all have the chance to do that. whether you do that or not?
1: And I, I hope that someone like Phil would do that. I think it's hard, especially as we get older, the beliefs that we have, they're more ingrained within us. And when we're sharing those beliefs with a podcast audience or broadcast audience, YouTube, books, blogs, I think that can be difficult to change because you've got all these people looking at you and you're going to get criticism. So to wrap this up, here's what I'm curious from you, Jeff. What is something that you have changed an opinion on recently Let's talk about how that went when you let people know you changed your opinion on it.
0: That's a good question. I would say recently I've changed my opinion on intensity, the way that I approach my life. I think that my brand, as an example here, started off with me basically promoting a super intense, hardcore work all the time attitude. The guests that would come on the show and say, don't sleep. To a certain degree, that was me. Yeah. (laughs) To a large degree, uh, that's not me anymore. Yeah. And I'm really glad that it's not. But at at the same time, I've had to slowly but surely shift my messaging and my show. I just recorded an episode earlier today. That I put in really soft music, and it's about meditation and mindfulness, and I have this very intentional shift in the way the show is being presented of one where I'm not yelling at anybody, I'm not super excited, and I think because it has backfired on me. I mean, I have a story of four years ago being in the hospital
1: because of a panic attack. Yeah, you had a filth situation. Yeah. Yes, like
0: very intense, (laughs) like smack in the face moment, and so I don't need more of those in my life, but at the same time... I need to let my audience know that I have made that shift, that I used to act this way and say these things, and that's still on my show. We can go back to the RSS feed and and listen to the old me, but the new me is different and clearly presenting a a different type of message. And I think that it's healthy to do that. and needs to happen. But I think that also being very direct has been very helpful because my audience, they get it, they hear the story, and then they're on board. And then my fans from before are still with me, but for a new reason. As people who
1: have lived a few decades, we should be changing. You should be changing as a human. If you have the same beliefs that you had when you were in high school and you're 50, 60, 70 years old, I question whether you're really living or not. It sounds so stereotypical. We've seen this movies, you know, where the guy from New York goes back to the old small town and he's got those guys that are at the bar and they're the same people he saw 20, 30 years ago. They're still hanging out there. They haven't changed. They haven't done anything that's different. I think life can be so much bigger than that. And with that said, I think we can help people to do that. I know for me, I've certainly changed opinions on a lot of the new stuff that's coming out as far as non-binary and trans people. And, you know, not that I was homophobe or transphobic. I had a trans roommate in the 1990s uh, and I knew it. But what I didn't know is I didn't know the word transgender. I didn't have that word. And I think when you are looking at, people's experience, you have to know that they may not have had the same experiences that you have had, and maybe they haven't been exposed to things. So if you can expose them to something, maybe you can have them come around. Not that you're even trying to change people's minds, but I think throwing it out there can allow them, if they want to, to change their mind. I totally agree.
0: I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that, to tell new stories and to tell them in new ways. And then everyone can, you know, to a certain degree, have that eye-opening experience that, yeah, there are other ways to live and other, other opportunities to have. And I think that there's yeah, a lot to be said about having those kinds of conversations.
1: So let's wrap it up. Vet your people. Ask friends that have interviewed them. Do a search on the internet. If you get that bad feeling, I would say that it's probably better to maybe approach with caution. You can do the interview, but maybe not necessarily release it. If you're getting that bad feeling, it's always okay to change your mind and you should be changing. Also realize that you can go back and delete things. If you have to do that, if you've got to change your mind, it's okay to change and be upfront about it. Not do that secretly. I agree. Any other thoughts? You're so good at wrapping things up. And we did this off the cuff. It's happening right now. It's like we're watching this in real time. Like I said, it's national news. I said, we've got to get together and talk about this. This is something that so many experts and so many podcasters face on a daily basis because people are watching us and it's scary. From the perspective of having a brand and wanting
0: to do what you just mentioned, this idea of evolution over time, that you've lived a few decades and you should change, I feel that there's an obligation almost on my part to grow over time and talk about these things on the show and to be more open with these changes and evolutions that I'm going through so my audience can follow along as they're changing as well. And there's an opportunity for all of us to grow. I'm a huge fan of personal development, a huge fan of looking for opportunities to improve myself, and I find that these moments that we see in the news – can highlight and reflect back on us to ask the question, well, where am I not changing? Like, Do I need a smack in the face moment to change? Or can I be more proactive and more self-reflective and be ready for change now? And I feel like that's the position that I'm in as one where I want to be open to that as often as possible so that I don't get myself caught off guard again
1: in an area that I could have caught ahead of time. Well said. If you want more from Red Podcast. Let me give you the URL. It's bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. You'll see this and my sister podcast, Build a Big Podcast, which is specifically for podcasters, but it's a similar message. Jeff is at jeffsanders.com. he has got some great stuff. A couple of books about time management, the podcast, the award-winning podcast, 5 a.m. Miracle. You will get a very balanced perspective there. The last episode that I listened to, you're talking about taking breaks, Jeff, which is, uh, that's a progression for you.
0: It is. It is. taking a sabbatical is a new one for me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to have a well-rounded yet highly productive life, jeffsanders.com 5 a.m. Miracles, the podcast, Jeff, thanks for being here on red. Hey, thank you, David. A lot of fun.